Welcome to the Joys of Binge Reading, the show for anyone who ever got to the end of a great book and wanted to read the next instalment. We interview successful series authors and recommend the best in mystery, suspense, historical and romance series, so you'll never be without a book you can't put down. You'll find this episode's show notes, a free ebook, and lots more information at thejoysofbingereading.com. And now, here's our show. Julie McIlwain's time travel mystery series featuring FBI profiler Kendra Donovan has been described as Jane Austen meets the Elias TV series. She's made top sci-fi and mystery lists every year since the series was launched, with Most Addictive Mystery one of the accolades she's collected. Hi there, I'm your host Jenny Wheeler and today Julie talks about what working in the world of TV soaps has taught her about successful fiction and why she's never read Diana Gabaldon. But before we get to Julie, just a reminder, the show notes for this binge reading episode can be found on the website, thejoysofbingereading.com. That's where you'll find links to Julie's website and books, as well as details about how to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss future episodes. But now, here's Julie. Hello there, Julie, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Thank you so much. I'm really honored. You're an award-winning journalist, and we will get to talk about your work in journalism a little bit later. But in terms of your fiction, when did you get the bug to write fiction? And was there a once-upon-a-time moment, an epiphany that you had about tackling the world of make-believe storytelling? Well, I have to, I mean, just like a lot of um, writers, I think, you know, you, people fall in love with reading, but I can tell you, um, probably my first time that I read a Nancy Drew, uh, I loved, I fell in love with the character. I fell in love with this world that they were creating. uh, And I just, I remember I was probably about 10, you know, 10 at the time. And I'm, I was like, this is what I want to do. This is, I, I, this is, it just so intrigued me. And back then I, you know, nobody had, you know, there was no such thing as iPads or laptops or whatever. So I would, I got a, um, you know, a notebook and a pen and I just started writing and I've been pretty much writing fiction ever since that time. I wanted to create a Nancy Drew series uh, and it's just, it's, um, you know, it was very private for me, though, um, until, you know, I graduated and I had no idea that I would actually end up writing a book that was published. But, you know, it was the, the love of writing. Can't, I can probably trace to that time. Sure. So your Kendra Donovan series, is that that's not the first fiction you've done? Well, I, I, like a lot of writers, I mean, I think, you know, you people write and then, you know, you try to send it out and it gets rejected. So I have probably several books in, in, in a drawer somewhere. Uh, this is the first series or, or this is the, my first fiction that has been published. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you came up with a great premise, an FBI agent who gets wormholed back into 19th century Britain. One critic described it as a genre bender with a clever gimmick. The first time I read that, I thought, I read Gender Bender and I thought, nah, no, no, Genre Bender. What, what made you settle for time travel as your vehicle, so to speak? Well, 
I also, you know, I've always been very intrigued by the whole time travel concept. And I've, you know, I've watched, I mean, I probably in college, I remember watching Doctor Who, the old shows and, you know, and Twilight Zone, they'd have the a couple of time travel, uh, you know, episodes. So I've always been very intrigued by it. And I've read a lot of, you know, with when it comes to time travel, there's a lot of romances that are time travel that's always been kind of a um, I, you know, something that they've done. And I just, I've never read a mystery. Uh, and I just thought that what an interesting, you know, just, it was such an interesting concept to me, uh, to take, especially a woman, a modern day woman who is so amazing in her career. And I want to be, you know, she's an FBI profiler. I just, I, you know, you just put her back in the past and she has to solve crimes, but she does not have any of the modern day technology, everything that she's relied on. And and just being a modern day woman put back into the past, into the early uh, 19th century before women had the right to vote, all this stuff. I mean, that I think that would throw off, <laughs> that throws off your world even more. Um, so I just, I guess for me, I kind of came up with the idea and, you know, I just, it, it, it intrigued me and I thought that would be, you know, just an interesting, an interesting mystery series that had a little bit different hook than a lot of mystery series. Definitely. It's a fantastic hook and it gives you so many avenues for interesting little sidelines, but we'll get on to that. Your your heroine, Kendra, she is the ultimate outlier, isn't she? Because even in her own century, you gave her a background that meant that she was a bit of an out, of a bit of a loner. So she's better equipped than perhaps many of us would be to handle 1815. Tell us a bit about what made her different. Yes, I wanted, I really wanted a, um, you know, I needed to have a character that one was super smart. Uh, And I also, you know, I just found it intriguing, like if she was, you know, what this, like, as you said, um, she's, uh, kind of a loner here in in the, in the modern age. She, um, and I, you know, she's different than most people. And I, you know, I did think that would help her in some ways because she's used to being different. You know, so if you set her back in time, she's not going to be, you know, curled up in a ball, (laughs) you know, scared. (laughs) You know, she's, she's kind of, you know, you know, she's, um, you know, that, you know, just, I think she's a very, uh, you know, she just, I, I'm trying to think I, I'm having a hard time, I guess, uh, the word might be resilient. To, you know what? That's an excellent word. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I just, you know, I just, I needed somebody who could go back and, yeah, she could handle herself in 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 every way. You know, some, you know, some physically. If she was in a, I mean, she's she's got the skills to take care of herself. Um, and I also wanted somebody who had she's she has issues. I mean, she had issues in the modern age, uh, and I think because. It is the modern age. Uh, I don't know how to explain this, but um, I think we can. We we are all very self-sufficient. I mean, in the Western world, you know, women we can all take care of ourselves, uh, and we don't need. We need people, but we don't need people to survive necessarily. And I think putting Kendra, who was so self self sufficient, back in that age, you know. She actually really needs people now, and she never needed those people in the present. Um, and I feel like that kind of opens her up as a human being. Yeah. Whereas, like before, she in the in the modern age, she 
you know, it was all about work. And she was very good at, at, at work, but she was very bad at personal relationships. And you strip away, you know, you know, that I think, you know, in the 19th century, for the first time, she's actually, um, you know, open to, you know, needing people. She actually needs people to survive. And I think that opens her up as a, as a human being. Sure. Um, what was the hardest part in framing the story? I mean, there's quite a big credibility, credibility gap to stretch across, isn't there, for the, for the aspect of the time travel, the war, wormhole. How, how did you manage to make it believable? Because I, I do think you do make it believable. Oh, thank you. I, uh, actually, it's so funny because I actually did a lot of research. I know a lot about, you know, the, the time travel, closed time loops, um, you know, all of that stuff. But it, it's kind of, I mean, to be honest, I don't have a problem. I've, I've never had a problem. Like, you know, we once she's back in the past, to me, the hardest part is it's not necessarily the tra time travel. The hardest part is having this person be, she's a modern era person back in the past, and she doesn't want to live by these rules that are, you know, that, that women are required to live yeah. by. And I, I want her to try to break those rules and do her own thing, but she, you can't break them so much where she becomes such like she's shunned or nobody will deal with her. Um, so it's kind of like that weird balance. Yes. And that's, that to me is the hardest thing. I don't want somebody to read it and go, ah, she would never do this or whatever. Yes. I, I, I'm hoping <laughs> whatever she does to survive back there, uh, you know, I, I want to be, you know, credible and where they're like, okay, that makes sense. Yes. You know, that, uh, so, so it's not the time travel per se. It's just living back there and breaking rules and and doing it in a realistic way, you know. So she doesn't quite, you know, get shunned by society. Yeah, sure, sure. Oh, I wondered if the huge popularity of the Diana Gabaldon Outlander series paved the way because she so successfully mixed romance, history, and time travel. Do you think that it's helped make this kind of boundary-crossing story more acceptable to readers? I actually think that um, it shows that how people really do enjoy this kind of, you know, the, this mixture of the, the genres. Uh, you know, I, personally, I, I never, I have not read her series yet because I didn't want to be influenced. Uh -huh. So um, it's something that I do want to read eventually but I just you know I heard about it I heard it was very successful people who love it I mean they love it um but I was just I was I didn't want to be influenced at all so um you know but I do think you know people I mean they really do like this kind of um the idea I think at time travel you know living being challenged by and and I think we also look at ourselves and go how would we you know, handle mm. it, you know? So I think it's, it's very intriguing to a lot of people just like, you know, um, so I think she's tapped into something obviously. Yeah, sure. Your series is already being considered for TV, I, I gather as well. And I wondered yeah. if working in this industry helped you to have a, a good idea about what TV companies would be looking for. That's so interesting because I honestly and, and people because people have asked me all throughout the process like who do you imagine as Kendra who do you yeah. imagine as Alec <laughs> and in truth I will be I never once. 
thought it would be beyond a book. I just, it, you know, it, to me, it, you know, it, it's hard enough <laughs> doing the book and, and you know, uh, trying to create this world. Um, I never, I never imagined that, you know, I would be approached by a production company. And, you know, um, and in fact, it was interesting because we were approached by a production company and then like after we signed the papers, we were approached by another production company. One one envisioned it as a TV series, the other as a as a, as a movie. Um, we already signed the deal with uh, the production company that envisions it as a TV series. Um, but like I said, again, I, I this is just it's wonderful. But I never, I, in the, my wildest dreams, I would never have thought this. Yeah, <laughs> would have happened. Oh, well, that's fantastic. <laughs> it could end up being both. Of course, you never know. Yeah, true, that's true. <laughs> and as well as the murder mystery, well, there's the murder mystery thread of it, and then the murder mysteries are all very strong in it. There's a great thread of the romance that's developed with Alec, but also there are these interesting conversations she gets into with the Duke about the science of it all. And there was one that I saw in one of your books about she's reflecting on if she explained chaos theory to the Duke. and then he told all his influential science scientist friends about it. Would that change the course of history? Because they'd know about it 150 years before it was promulgated. And that kind of brain teaser is actually a lot of fun. But do you get serious boffin types who um, correspond or, or criticise or pick holes and say this couldn't have happened or whatever? Do you get that kind of feedback? I, I've been so lucky, you know, because most of the, People that have read the books, I mean, I think, you know, they're probably mystery readers yeah. more than they're yeah. sci-fi yeah, readers sure. and, and maybe even romance readers. You know, so I I, I don't get a lot of huge like sci-fi readers. I have a feeling that they probably be <laughs> they'd probably be, you know, very disappointed um, and would probably pick holes or whatever, because it really is very sci-fi light when it comes to the time travel, because I don't want to get too much in the weeds. First and foremost, I think of this as a mystery series. And then I think with anything, with any good story, you have relationships yeah. and whatever that relate, whatever those relationships are, you know? Um, and then the, the last really is the sci-fi. I mean, once she's, you know, made, you know, has involuntarily traveled back into the past, uh, you know, she has to deal with it. She has to think about it. Nobody would not think, I mean, you know, if you, if you were suddenly pushed into the early 19th century, you know, every day you would probably be kind of thinking about it, but I don't want to get into too much of the weeds because, um, I think it was at a, uh, I was, I was, uh, speaking at a, at a library and I actually, because I do do a lot of research on it, it may not end up in the books, but I started getting into it and, and kind of explaining about string theory and, you know, and all this stuff. And I could see the eyes glaze over, <laughs> So I'm just like, okay, okay. I, I said, I'm okay. I'll back off. <laughs> um, so, so, um, so like, you know, at, at this stage, the people that read the books are tend to be, I think, mystery romance uh, readers, not a lot of hardcore sci-fi readers. Sure. And, and if they do, I'm sure I'll get a lot of <laughs> people not you know, I'm sure they'll be pointing things out because it's very lightly done. <laughs> One of the great dangling uh, sort of threads of the whole thing is, is she going to get back to the 21st century? How will she do this? 
And what's going to happen to her romance if she's forced to, to leave Alec behind? And and then, of course, you could have, have Alec having to cope with the 21st century. That's that's another possibility. Have you got a scenario in mind yet about where it all goes to? I have. It's very fluid. I, I will admit it's very fluid. But what I, what I wanted to do or what I would like to do is have – to, I would basically like to give Kendra a choice, like yeah. because you know, it, it, in my in caught in time, it's people if they read that. Um, I don't want to give any spoilers no, right. away, but yeah, <laughs> um, I I, I want to you know because I don't I don't know if it's possible for her and Alec to go together. So I just but I do want to give her a choice because I think there'll be closure that way. Yes. Um, you know, and I have got an idea, but it's very fluid at this point. Yeah. So I don't, you know, whether it'll, whether it'll happen or not, I don't know. <laughs> we don't want to know at this stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. And um, you've said that one of the things you've enjoyed about writing the series is to challenge our own rather sort of time-centered idea that we're more intelligent than our ancestors were. Um, have what what sort of conclusions have you come to in, in your research and just in the writing about the way that different generations handle their worlds? You know, I just I'm I'm constantly fascinated when I uh, do my research and how similar. I, I mean, they're different scenarios or whatever, but we're so like human beings are human beings. We, I, I don't think we've changed all that much. Our technology has definitely changed, yeah. and. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I just, I don't think a modern person would fare as well as we think we would fare back then. I actually even, I, I, it was, I ordered this, a tinderbox, which is from England. Oh. I ordered a tinderbox because back then there was, there were no matches. There were no lighters. This, this, how they, you know, created fire was striking flint against a metal. And they have a tinderbox where you have a little, you know, like jute and, you know, I can't, yes. you know like fabric or whatever. So um, I, I, I got it um, and I've looked at it. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, my God, how do you do this? This is insane. I mean, so I, I just, you know, I, I think, you know, we're, I think we, in our own minds, we think, oh, well, we have all this advanced knowledge, but 99% of the people out there have, they know like how to turn on a TV with a remote now. They don't necessarily know how to create a TV. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I mean, I just, I think a lot of us would have a harder time and, um, and, and technology, we're just so used to it. And when it's taken away from us, I mean, I was one time, I, you know, you, everybody, I mean, I think everybody has DSL now, but one time my DSL went out and I actually had to go back to dial up. <laughs> <laughs> that was not fun. <laughs> I, was, I, I almost went, I just, I, I was like, oh my God, I can't handle this. I, I think it was, I might've been out of DSL for, you know, maybe about four days, yeah. but it felt like five years. <laughs> <laughs> So I try I try to remember that when I'm writing certain things and, and taking Kendra's perspective, because it's just like even I mean, I, I do everything on laptops or, you know, text or whatever. I you know, my penmanship is like awful now. I I, I have a hard time writing things in longhand, like with a pen and yeah. paper, yeah. you know, and it's just 
I used to do that all the time. <laughs> well, it's funny that you mention about the tinderbox because uh, I think one of the ones that I just listened to a few days ago, um, Kendra is trying to use the tinderbox and it takes her about oh, yeah. seven minutes, seven or eight minutes to get it going. And I, I was really struck by that little detail. I thought, you know, I'd never really thought about because we just take for granted striking a match. Um, yes. I'd never thought about, well, there obviously would have been a skill involved in using a Tinder. I mm. know. No, it's, I mean, like I said, again, and uh, now that I have one, I mean, I'll, I will, I'm going to try. I mean, it'll probably take me a lot longer <laughs> than even Kendra. So, because um, it's, it's not, I mean, it's just all, it's all hard. It's not easy, yeah. Yeah. you know. So that's what I admire. I mean, you know, the ancestors, you know, like ancestors or the pioneers or whatever, because it's like, you know, I, it's just not easy. It was a, a tough life yes. in a lot of ways. Yes. So. <laughs> But turning to a slightly wider look at your career, you've had a very varied career in journalism. Could you tell us a little bit about how you got started in your writing world, the nonfiction part of it? All right. Um, actually, because like I said, you know, throughout my childhood or, and, you know, I was always writing my own fiction, which I never shared with anybody. It was very private. Um, and oddly enough, when I decide, when, you know, senior, junior, senior year, you start thinking of what am I going to do next? What, what am I going to do in college? What, you know, and I, I, was very people knew me back home as more of an artist than a writer actually uh so i i you know i had like i i would do drawings and you know and sell things uh and then i also knew how to sew so oddly enough when i went to college i thought okay i'm going to be a fashion designer that's that's what i'm going to do i i know how to sew and i know how to draw so i'm going to try that I always knew I would probably double major, um, but when I first went to college, that's what I was, you know, aimed at. I didn't know what my double major would be, and I ended up in a journalism class. And the one of the things they do is they send the your, you know, you go out and you know do an article, and then they send it to the student newspaper. And the student newspaper contacted me, and they were like, you know, we we like your writing, you know, would you come and work for us? So, uh, and I really enjoyed the journalism class and I just it kind of fell into mm. it, uh, even though it's odd, you know, because again, I've been writing all my life, but it's been this dream that I never thought really could go anywhere. Yeah. Um, so it was just for myself what I was writing. Um, so journalism really was a wonderful outlet for me, uh, you know, because I could do the writing you know, I just, I really enjoyed it. So I, I ended up, um, you know, because I, I got a double major fashion design and journalism and I thought, okay, I want to be a, a journalist in the fashion industry. So, uh, you go to LA or New York and my parents, my brother was out here in LA at the time. So my, my parents were like, you don't know anybody in New York, but you do know <laughs> somebody in LA. So that's how I ended up here. And, and I, there was two newspapers, two trade newspapers that I, I read throughout college. One was in L.A. and one was in New York. And I actually ended up um, getting a job at the trade newspaper in in California here. So I worked there for for quite a while. And um, then, you know, I think about 10 years you know, and I don't know if you've ever been to California, but the traffic is mm -hmm. horrible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So, I mean, I think it started wherever I was at the time, you know, to drive into LA, it was probably 40 minutes. By the time I got this other job, which is you could work out of your home, um, the traffic was probably an hour and a half to get in to LA. So, um, so I was just like, I'm done. I'm done with the traffic. (laughs) And luckily this other job came up and, you know, um, but that's how, you know, I just kind of fell into it. And I really do. I mean, I've always enjoyed you know, I, I love journalism as well. It's, you know, it's just a different outlet of writing. Sure. So now you're working on a TV soap magazine, I think, aren't you? Are there things you've yes. learned from the soap medium that have fed back into your writing? Uh, you mean like the, the soap opera themselves? Yeah, the, yeah. The, the structure or the the hook at the end of a, a you know, keeping, keeping the series alive. I was wondering if you've been a bit inspired in your mysteries by what you've, you've observed happens in the soap. Yes, actually, the one of the biggest things, the the best, the, actually, the best lesson uh, anybody can learn if they're interested in writing can learn from soaps is that no matter what is going on in terms of the plot line, what is the most important part of soaps is the characters and yes. the relationship with each other. And I think that was, you know, I mean, because, you know, I can't remember all the, you know, the Nancy Drew mysteries that I was writing as a, as a child, but it was probably more about, you know, even though the Nancy Drew books, when I look back, I think, oh, you know, it was this girl who was independent and she would travel around. She was smart. She solved mysteries. She had a little bit of romance with Ned, <laughs> her boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I but I don't, I don't know if I connect the dots that much it was to me it was about the mystery and solving the puzzle or whatever but you know watching soap operas and what they do when they do it and they do it so well is to always keep in mind that it's the characters and it's their relationship with each other and that really you know I mean whatever's going on on the outside that's still kind of the heart of a of a yeah you know a book a TV series anything I mean and soap operas have always done that very well yes yeah that's why they've got such longevity I'm sure yes yes is there one thing you've done more than any other that you'd credit with your success in fiction you know what I think I mean to be honest it is just like the work. I mean, you have to put in the work. I mean, I know this is, it's probably a very boring answer, but um, yeah. I know a lot of people who are like, Oh, I, you know, I want to write. I do, you know, I, you know, they have the, the dream, the fantasy or whatever. Sometimes I get people who are, you know, like maybe they want to write scripts or whatever, but then, you know, uh, you know, they, um, you know, they, their life gets, I, I don't know if I should say it, like their life, life gets in the way or, I mean, yeah. but, you know, I can't tell you how many times, like I, I, you know, I get up at six and I'm at, you know, working on my book until nine when I go, then I, then I work on my, then I turn over to, to do my day job. And then at five 30, I'm turning back over to, to work on, you know, the book again and, you know, work to midnight and, you know, like sometimes yeah. people yeah. are often having a really nice time out, out having dinner. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> having dinner there, you know, or parties or whatever, and I've declined because I, you know, I I have to, you know, keep looking yeah. away. So yes, you know, yes. it's kind of a boring answer, probably. But anybody who aspires to to do this, I think you just you really have to put in the work. It's discipline, and yes. um, 
to be honest, if you have a series and you get like traditionally published or whatever, there's deadlines, you know, and you, yes. you know, I mean, and that's, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, your whole life is, you know, it's, it really is, you know, sitting at your computer typing away and, mm. um, you know, it's not as, I think people have the idea of being much more glamorous than it is. Yes. And, yes. um, I guess that's it. You know, you put in the work and, and even though it's not very glamorous, you continue to put in the work. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, that's great. This is the joys of binge reading. And it's partly on the premise that people have developed a real appetite for series books or for binge reading. Like they could go online and, and order a book at midnight if they want to and read it till two in the morning. Um, you say that you have always been a great reader. Who are some of your favorites today? And who would you recommend for others? Oh, my gosh. I, my, I have bookshelves that are <laughs> – someday somebody <laughs> will find me and, and, and all the books will have been collapsed on me and, I, <laughs> and I'll be crushed because I, I have so many books. I've started now putting – you know, doing Nooks and Kindle or whatever just because, I you know, yes. so much. But um, one of the best – you know, the, it, it talk, binge reading, although you'd have to – you know, put a lot of time towards it because um, Nora Roberts, uh, writing as J.D. Robb, um, does oh, yes. the series. Yeah, yes. okay, you're familiar yeah. with it. It's just, I mean, she. I think she's on thir uh, probably book 38 right now. I mean, oh, I, gosh. it's yeah. amazing. I mean, she's done, I mean, I think for that one, um, it's even Rourke. It's just a fabulous, it's a police procedural that's set in the future. And, um, you know, so it's a mystery. But again, she she is... I, I admire her so much because, like, talk about knowing that it's the characters that draw, you know, you, the mystery is solved, you know, each book it's solved, but you pick up the next book because of those characters, you know, because, yes. you know, <laughs> in a new yes. mystery, but it's like the characters that drive you forward, and she's kind of a master at that, and so anyway, that, that you know, uh, I think she's, again, I think it's on... Um, you know, book 38, she does two a year. Gosh. And, yeah. but what's fascinating to me too, is like, I don't know, I mean, if you've read the series, I believe she started it like 1998 or something. And, mm. um, I hope I'm not uh, wrong about that, but, um, but I remember looking back to see when it was first uh, published because she has a lot of things in there technological things that were not invented in 1998, but they are available now. And I just, yes. I found that fascinating. I mean, that she's so, she, mm. you know, the insight that she had where the direction we were going, going, like, you know, yes. um, where you walk into a room and you tell the comp computer to turn on or do whatever, yeah. right? you know, so yeah. she had that all in there. Um, so I'm a big fan of hers. Um, I love, I love, you know, um, Karen Slaughter. I don't know if you, that she yes. does the Will Trent series. I, you know, yes. I just yes. love that character and I love the, you know, <laughs> I, yeah. that's a brilliant yeah. series. Um, yes. And yes. I, I, I won't go on and on because I honestly, I have so many, but uh, yes. Tess Gerritsen, Gerritsen, again, I hopefully I'm pronouncing yeah. that right. Um, she has a Rizzoli and Isle series and I think she's just brilliant about that as well. Uh, yes. But I just, you know, I have so many, but those are Lee Childs. <laughs> 
the Jack Reacher series. It's very different than other ones, but I, I, I'm a big fan of his as well. So He's coming to Auckland this week, and I've had a ticket just to hear him, hear him speak for the last six months. It's going to be great. Oh, I'm so <laughs> jealous. I actually did the mystery con- uh, conference in New Orleans where he was one of the, um, you know, the uh, – you know, guest guest speakers, yeah, guest yeah. speakers or whatever, and you know, so and I got his autograph. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Look, we are coming to the end of our time together. So, circling around, looking back, and then sitting where you are now at this stage in your career, if you were doing it all over again, what would you change, if anything? That is such an interesting question because. Um, in truth, like, you know, off the top of my head, I, I could think of a dozen things. and But then I start, you know, if I really think about it, I, I'm kind of in the, and maybe everybody is, in the position that Kendra's in. You know, Kendra is afraid to do too much for fear it will change. Even the littlest things might change the future. And to be honest, I like where I'm at now. And I don't know if I would have done something, and not just where I'm at now, but you know, friends that I have, like, as I was telling you before, um, my parents were like, you need to go to California. You cannot go to New York because you don't know anybody in New York. Well, would I, I mean, if I, if I would have said, no, no, I'm going to New York. I have such wonderful friends out here that, you know, I have uh, one of my good friends. She has two boys, uh, you know, that are like my sons. And I'm like, you know, anything that you change, it's, it could change everything. So I yes. guess when I have to, I mean, I would say I, I wouldn't change everything or anything because, you know, I don't know what, it, I don't know how it would affect, <laughs> you know, I think yeah. we are where we're, we are, you know, I, I mean, I think we're all on a journey and I think we're meant to be on that journey. So, you know, I mean, you know, part of me, I'm like, Oh, I would, I would have done this or that, but you know, ultimately I guess, you know, I think I wouldn't be on the same journey if I would have done something different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what is next for Julie, the writer? I think book number four in the series is due out next year, isn't it? Is that right? Betrayed in Time? Yes. it's due, uh, I believe it's scheduled for July. I actually just handed it in to the, um, my editor. Uh, so we'll be going through the editing <laughs> process. Um, but it's interesting because sometimes it doesn't always happen, but when I was writing this, I was starting getting ideas for the next book, the next book in the series. So I do have kind of an idea what I want to, so I, you know, my, my goal now is to sit down and start to try to kind of plot out, you know, where I want to go with that. And, you know, there's in in the, who knows when, uh, but there is a part of me would love to, you know, do maybe a couple of standalones, but also I have an idea for a, a, a detective series in the more modern era, you know, so I won't, <laughs> maybe, yes. I don't know, my research will probably be just the same, but I feel like I do, you know, I, I spend a lot of time doing research, obviously in the past. So maybe being in the present day, it would cut me a little slack. <laughs> so I wouldn't yeah, be yeah. <laughs> at my computer. Have you any idea about how many Kendra books there might be? Or is that something you just haven't quite worked, decided on yet? You know what? It's very it is interesting because I just got this question, um, you know, from people on Facebook reach out to me. So, uh, and they asked me that. And, 
You know, it, it really, it kind of depends on, you know, obviously the audience. If, uh, you know, yes. right now it seems like people are interested. So as long as there is an interest, it'll probably go forward that way. Um, and as long as I can come up with, <laughs> you know, come up with stories, uh, you know, I think it could continue on. Um, but it's very fluid. It's, you know, uh you just, you know, you just never know, or, you know, other people have had a uh, series and then something else kind of takes their fancy and then they go and they, you know, start to launch a new series and then they kind of forget the old series. And, you know, yes. so, um, right now I'm very, I mean, I'm still, it's new enough to me that I'm still, you know, I still find Kendra and I find Alec and I find the relationship, the parallels between the modern and, and that time, I, I still find it really fascinating. Uh, I just, you know, I look at some of the things that we do in this era and I think, oh my gosh, we're crazy. But then I look back there and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're crazy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think that, uh, you know, again, that, that's, and I like, I mean, this era, I kind of chose this particular era because it, it actually reflects a lot uh, of what we are going on now. It's very parallel in many, many ways. Um, so it was like, it's kind of like one of the beginning, it's the beginning of the modern age, uh, the, you know, the industrial revolution. Right now, I, I know I, I see a lot of questions like, oh, how robots taking over, you know, the yes. jobs are shrinking because robots are going to take over. And back then that was exactly what they were thinking as well. I mean, the industrial revolution changed everything. You know, people who were, you know, creating, you know, it was very craft. It was a, you know, it was a craft yes. industry and they were losing their jobs to the big machines and the the factories so yes um, mechanization that's right yeah exactly we're going through the same mm. thing <laughs> interesting very interesting um you mentioned facebook where can readers find you online julie well um i would i mean if, if I love uh interacting with um readers uh, you know that they they can you know uh, contact me through my Facebook, uh, account. I have, to be honest, I have just as many, and I have the personal Facebook and I have an author's Facebook page. Uh, it doesn't matter which, I mean, I'll, I interact with everybody. So that's just probably the, for me, it's the easiest. I have a, I have a website, but I, I'll be honest, I'm very, very bad with the website. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't go there very often and, you know, so, um, but I do, you know, somebody reaches out to me on Facebook, I, I'm pretty good at responding and stuff, so. Sure. Hey, I didn't actually think to ask this earlier, but have you done many trips to Britain to do research actually on the ground or have you mainly relied on, you know, resource materials? Well, I actually, when I was in college, I lived over in in England for about six months. And, oh, okay. you know, so that, I mean, I, I had a little sense of, of things. Um, I have been over, I have been back. I have been back since. My friend and I, a couple of years ago, we went to Ireland. And of course, you know, I look at the, the big, you know, beautiful, the castles, the, you know, the, you know, elegant houses. And, you know, so I take notes about <laughs> Yeah, now, yeah. I, I can take notes. Um, so I have, you know, I, you know, I am familiar with England a little bit, but I do do a lot of research on, you know, I, I have a lot of books on, you know, especially that time period, because it really has changed um, so much, obviously, like, I, this is what's it's funny, um, because when I was doing, I think it was a twist in time, and they go to London for the first time, 
I didn't realize that Big Ben actually was built in the Victorian age. So when she's in London, you know, at this particular time, there is no Big Ben. So I just, I, you know, I, for whatever reason, it didn't occur to me, (laughs) you know, and I'm like, oh, so, you know, so you have to like, it just, in your mind, it changes the landscape, Um, you know, and just trying to imagine what this, you know, London was like at that particular time. So actually, I thought it was very interesting the way that you wove that into the story, because as you say, I would never have thought, I wonder if Big Ben was around there, but having you make that observation that Big Ben hadn't been uh, constructed yet. It just it just was an interesting little aside once again. And I think that that is part of the history of it all, that you, you get those details with the books, which are, which is lovely. Thank you. I, I mean, I do try. I mean, they, the, the journalism part too. I mean, I really want, you know, I mean, it's first and foremost, you know, it's a fiction book and it's supposed to entertain. But, you know, I do want to be as accurate as possible when I, you know, when I do my research and when I put in these details, because, you know, I just, I, you know, I personally, when I read books, I love, I love hearing, you know, learning little facts, you know, about, you know, life somewhere else and stuff like that. So, you know, but research, it's, it is hard because um, you can, you know, I can find a bunch of people saying one thing and then you'll find one person saying, Oh no, none of that's right. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm like, I do have to kind of make, sometimes I make a judgment call. I'm like going, okay, I'm going to go with, you know, this particular, you know, the research I've been doing here and I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. So, but it's fascinating. Yeah. 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 Well, look, all the best with the rest of the series. I, I do find them very interesting. I will aim to keep up with them. Um, it's been wonderful talking today. We have run out of time, but but you stay well and keep writing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm very honored that you asked me to do this. Lovely, Julie. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Joys of Binge Reading podcast. You can find all the details and links for this episode at www.thejoysofbingereading.com. We'd love to hear your comments and suggestions for who you'd like us to interview next. And if you enjoyed the show, take a moment to subscribe on iTunes or a similar provider so you won't miss out on future guests. Thanks for joining us and happy reading. The Joys of Binge Reading podcast is put together with fantastic technical help from Dan Cotton and Abe Raffles. Dan is an experienced sound and video engineer who's ready and available to help you with your next project. Seek him out at dcaudioservices at gmail.com That's D for Daniel, C for Charlie, audioservices at gmail.com or check our show notes. He's fast, he takes pride in getting it right and he's great to work with. Our voiceovers are done by Abe Raffles, another gem of sound and screen. Abe has 20 years of experience on both sides of the camera slash microphone as a cameraman director and also as a voice artist and TV presenter. I think you'd agree that his voice is both lighthearted and warm. He is super easy to work with no matter what the job. You'll find him at abe, A-B-E, at pointandshoot.co.nz. As I say, full details 
in the show notes on the website. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Hopefully see you next week. Bye.